Today's scripture reading comes from the book of Luke, chapter 11, verses 1 through 13. It's Luke chapter 11, 1 through 13. Can we all rise for the reading of God's word? Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give you anything because he is, he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If, the, if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is the word of the Lord. Uh, let's pray. and uh, God, we just want to thank you that during this time, we can listen to the most exciting thing of all, and that is your word, and to really, really be excited about your word, how it completely frees us, how it lifts us up. Um, the things of this world you have shown us, and we know it will pass. The good and the bad, they all pass. But what doesn't pass, what stands firm for eternity is your word, and you give it to us now. Help our hearts and our minds be clear so that we may be of understanding. And just as Jesus himself said, let those who have ears hear at this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. John Bunyan starts out like this. Uh, I want to start out with a quote from John Bunyan. He says, you can do more than pray. You can do more than pray. But after you have prayed, I'm sorry, you can do more than pray after you have prayed, but you cannot do more than pray until you have prayed. You can do more than pray after you have prayed, but you cannot do more than pray until you have prayed. We begin the scene with the opening of Jesus praying, and that is exciting because the image is not one that we see of a one-time powerless sporadic event. In fact, the image shown to us is Jesus, when he prays, his disciples are looking on. They're in awe and wonder. And I always wondered for, that, for myself, when I pray, you know, would people see the power of God resting in me? But for Jesus, that was the case. So much so that they went up to Jesus afterwards and asked him, 
Teach us how to pray. Now, if we want to be disciples of Christ, it seems to me that this is pivotal to understand. Disciples of Christ know how to pray. And if the flip side is also true, the reverse is also true, and that is that if we want to continue to grow in discipleship, we have to know how to pray. Now, there are two sections here that we need to understand. It's that the first section is when Jesus responds, he responds with the first section. The first section is how to pray. Father, hallowed be your name. He responds first by how to pray. And the second part is he tells his disciples, be persistent. He first teaches his disciples how to pray like he asks, like they asked. And secondly, he tells them to be persistent. This is something that we need to really remember. We need to know how to pray, and we need to also be persistent. But today, today is a special day, because I would really like to go deeper. Two sections here I said, how to pray, and then be persistent. But let's go deeper. I've mentioned that sometimes the way we can look and exegete a passage is by seeing it in the lens of one of my favorite foods, a burger, right? So in a burger you have two buns and then you have the meat in the middle. There is a top portion and a bottom portion. Those are the buns. And then there is the meat in the middle. What is the top and bottom bun here? Jesus starts to teach the disciples how to pray by starting this way. Father, Father. And in the bottom of this section, he ends with the analogy of the Father. If there's one thing that we cannot miss in this section is that when you're a disciple, and if you're a disciple and you pray, Remember, those things go hand in hand. When you're a disciple and you pray, God is your father. The second portion of the passage is Jesus teaching his disciples how to be persistent, like we say, and their prayers, and we see the persistence in these analogies and the stories that he's giving, but there's a progression we're not supposed to miss. We start out with a friend. This is not your typical friend. This is an annoying friend. It's midnight, and let's say this man, this friend, his name is Sam. He knocks on his friend's door, and that friend's name is Matt, right? We're just gonna random name. This has nothing to do with anybody here. And Sam knocks on the Matt's door saying, it's midnight, I am hungry, I just came from the gym. Remember, this is random, this doesn't, this, I'm not talking about anybody here, but he's hungry, and Matt's like, no. I am sleeping, I have work soon. And he keeps on knocking, he keeps on texting, right? He's like, I'm right by the door. I really desperately need some PB&J, right? And if he continues to knock, as annoying as that might be, in the story we see that the friend would still open the door. Not because he really appreciated the friend coming all the way over to wake him up to disturb his sleep, but because of his ins insistence, he would go and open the door. Fine, get your PB&J, get your gains, and get out of here. And not only that, 
we see that we progress from friend to an earthly father. And I've read some accounts as when people, there's a blog site of fathers. Uh, I don't normally go, it was just for this uh, illustration. I needed to look. So I don't normally go to this site. Um, but there are, there's a blog site where fathers can uh, write down the first feelings of emotion that they have when they see their newborn. And there was one in particular that struck me. And as the baby was born, and he, as he held his baby in his arms, he started to weep. And he started to weep uncontrollably because he knew that as much as he loved this child, and he loved this child so much, this child would be irreversibly hurt because of him. This child would be scarred because of him, because he is not perfect. And eventually, he would hurt his beloved child in a deep, deep way. And I thought that was profound because we are not perfect. And when we deal with people, people get hurt. It doesn't matter who you are and how compatible we may be. The longer we stay together, we will hurt each other. And imagine the more profound effect I can have on somebody somebody like an earthly father and their child, spending every day together, growing together. Patience is not infinite. Personality is not all-encompassing. Love has its limitations. And he started to weep. But Jesus goes, even though you are evil, wouldn't you give your child food when he asks for food? And then we see from friend to earthly father to now God. And he says, what about God? Remember, we started with this premise. When you pray, you're a disciple. When you're a disciple, you pray and then we're supposed to remember that God is our Father. He goes, what about God? The one who knows all, sees all, has all, can do all. And that God is your Father. He is your perfect Father. How about that? That's where we start. And that's where we end as we are praying disciples. God is your perfect and heavenly father. Now to the burger, meaning now that we know that we are covered by God the Father, God the perfect father, how is it that we ought to pray? Hallowed be your name. That means he is holy and we are not. God is holy, we are not. For your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. Your ways higher than my ways, declares the Lord in Isaiah 55, 8. That means when we come before our perfect father, the attitude that we have is that God knows more than me. He sees more than me. He has more than me. And that is my position one of the things I try to continue to teach our young people is that if you want to be a good teacher, it's you have to be a good student. 
If you want to be a good teacher, you have to be a good student. No matter what position you are in, whether it's a church lay leadership and you want to serve in the church, or it's your job and you want to continue to move up in your career, if you want to continue to rise and you want to continue to go up and be successful, you have to continue to learn. And this past weekend, we had a deacon retreat, and in our deacon retreat, we challenged each other. What books are you reading? How many books are you reading? What's the last book you've read, and why did you read that book? And we share that with each other so that we encourage each other, but also keep each other accountable. You know who the worst teacher is? The worst teacher is the one that doesn't learn. Worst teacher is the kind of teacher that's just stubborn, that when you say something, they're like, oh, I just want to listen. That's the worst teacher. Because that teacher will only teach this little much, and that's the capacity of that person. But God himself even teaches us, when we pray, we are saying that you are the master teacher, and I'm the student. I don't know as much as you. We have to recognize that when we go before God, we don't have the answers. But how many times, how, how tempted am I, if I'm going to be honest, to go before God with the answers. God, I know this is the way. Why isn't this happening? I know this is your plan, so why isn't it happening? How many times do we go out first? This is our initial, initial reaction and heart before God and our prayers is, I know this should be happening. I know this is your promise. Why isn't it happening? But no, that's not how we start. The way we start is he is holy and we are not. Your ways, God, are higher than my ways. Your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. The second part is that your kingdom come. In the message version of the Bible, Eugene Peterson writes, instead of your kingdom come, set the world right. What we are saying is, God, if you know what's best, then I want it to be done. If you know what's best, God, then I want you to come and I want your will to be done. If you know what's best, then let it be so. Inviting another kingdom to come to your current territory, what is that? That's crazy. That means everything is going to be upturned and changed. Inviting another kingdom to come means that you are surrendering. So when we say your kingdom come, what we are praying is, I surrender to you. You know what's best, and I surrender to you. It means I will do what you command. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread means I want freedom. I want freedom, God. When you are physically hungry, when you are dying of hunger, like in my illustration, the random person named Sam, he was dying of hunger, how effective are you in doing your work? Can you think about anything else except food? So Jesus teaches his disciples, 
Give us each day our daily bread so that we can do the work that's ahead of us. Also means, God, I will trust that you will feed me, feed my family, because there is a purpose for my life and I need to fulfill it. It's not just to eat. Each day also means I want freedom to live for today and freedom from the torment of tomorrow's anxiety. I want freedom today and freedom from the torment of tomorrow's anxiety. So many of us today, we suffer from anxiety of the next day. What's the next day going to bring? And we can't sleep. We go to bed and our eyes are wide open because these thoughts rush. What is tomorrow going to bring? I need these things to be done. But when we pray, give us each day our daily bread, what we are praying is, I want freedom, God. I don't want to be paralyzed with the things of tomorrow, but I want to be able to trust in you and rely that you will supply my need. And forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. You know, we forgive because God forgave us. Are you listening we forgive because God forgave you. What is that forgiveness? In Romans 5.10 it says, For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. We forgive because we were enemies and God forgave us. Forgiveness is a God quality. When we pray that we trust him, he responds by saying, okay, you trust me? You trust me? Then be like me. Jesus in Matthew 5.48 says, therefore, be perfect, just like your heavenly father is perfect. What? We can't be perfect. The father was just crying, holding his baby, because he knows it was inevitable. We're going to hurt that baby, and yet Jesus comes, be perfect, like your father is perfect. What he is saying is, as you are a disciple growing in Christ, you are to adopt God qualities. And that God quality he is teaching us today is forgiveness. You will hurt each other. But God is saying, forgive each other. That's how we do church. Are you hearing me? That's how we do church. We don't do church perfectly. Church isn't perfect. We will make mistakes. We have made mistakes. But what we are to do is to forgive. And that is the perfect quality we are to adopt. Forgive. And finally, lead us not into temptation. It means we are weak. I'm weak. I'm so weak. If God is holy and we are not, then what we are doing is we are admitting our weaknesses and we are asking God, who is stronger than we are, to be our strength. If I am weak, I am asking God to be my strength. Trials are given to strengthen our faith, and we see trials happen in the Bible. But temptations, when it happens, we always fall. 
Temptations weaken and eradicate faith. So what we are saying is, God, strengthen my faith. I don't want to lose my faith. In Mark chapter 9, verse 24, immediately we see when the father is responding to Jesus, it says, immediately the father of the child cried out and says, I believe, help my unbelief. Give me faith because I don't want to fall from faith. Hebrews 11.6 says, and without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. God help my unbelief. There is a story told by Tim Stafford and and written in the Christianity Today of the September 14, 1992 edition. And he writes this, A pastor I know, Steffi Beliskij, starts each confirmation class with a jar of beans. And he asks his students to guess how many beans are in the jar. And then on a big pad of paper, he writes every student's estimates. When their lists are almost complete, he asks them to write another list. Write down your favorite songs. Beans, favorite songs. And the whole class looks over the guesses to see which estimate was closest to being right, and he gives them the answer. Then he turns to the favorite songs, the list of favorite songs, and he goes, which is the closest to being right? And every student protests. There is no right answer. A person's favorite song is a matter of taste, isn't it? But Belinsky, who holds a PhD in philosophy from Notre Dame, he asks this, when you decide what to believe in terms of your faith, is that more like guessing the number of beans or like choosing your favorite song? When you decide to, to uh, what to believe in terms of your faith, is it more like the beans or is it like choosing your favorite song? And Belinsky says, Everyone, from young to old, answers the same way. Choosing one's faith is like choosing a favorite song. Tim Stafford writes, when Belinsky told me this, it took my breath away. After they say that, do you confirm them? I asked him, well, smile, Belinsky. First, I tried to argue them out of it. Faith is not some random relative choice. It's not based on likes and affinities. Faith isn't relative to what you think it is. Faith is like this. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. This is the kind of faith that is given to Jesus' disciples. Who is Jesus that we should have faith? Jesus is incredible. He is all-inspiring. 
He is beautiful beyond measure. When he was dying on that cross, do you know the prayer that he prayed? The prayer that he was teaching his disciples, continue to pray, be consistent, this is how you pray. When he was dying on the cross, he prays, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And in that same verse, when Jesus was praying this prayer, being crucified on the cross, the same verse, and they cast lots to divide his garments. There's no other God like our God. There's no being that could do what Jesus did for us on that cross. This wasn't just some prayer that was prayed amongst holy people. He prayed this while soldiers were gambling for his clothes. They were spitting in his face. They were disrespecting the God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords to the ultimate degree. Imagine crucifying God and what you care about isn't him, but you care about dividing up some clothing between yourselves. And in the midst of that, he prays, Father, forgive them. When Jesus is talking, we're not listening. When Jesus is teaching, we're sleeping. When Jesus is dying on the cross, we are literally gambling for pieces of cloths because our view of Jesus is so low. We didn't give a damn, literally. And Jesus was praying for our forgiveness. What a God he is. What an amazing God he is. That's the kind of love you've been given. That's the kind of Lord you've been called to follow. That's the kind of prayer you've been taught to pray. Let's pray.